Well, today we are in our final week of our sermon series called The Godhead. And together, over the past seven weeks, we've been exploring the one Godhead known to us in three persons as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've also been studying how developing a personal relationship with each person of the Godhead helps us grow closer to God and to seek God for specific core needs that are intrinsically a part of who God created us to be and needs that we have that can only be fulfilled by God. Together we've seen how God the Father is our provider, our protector, and our identity giver. We've seen how Jesus the Son is our friend and our mediator. And for the past two weeks learning about the Holy Spirit, we've seen how the Spirit is our comforter and our teacher. And today we'll be studying how the Holy Spirit is our source of power. God's Word tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God isn't based on talk, but on power. We remember that as Jesus started his earthly ministry, he went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And right there, as he came up out of the water, the Son of God had the Spirit of God descend directly upon him, visible in the sign of a dove, while the voice of God the Father is heard calling from heaven, this is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. At that moment, Jesus received power to go out and fulfill his mission to the world to bring salvation and healing and hope and to initiate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Immediately after Jesus' baptism, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and nights. And during this time, Jesus was tempted by the devil. Sometimes we fall into the trap of believing that if we are walking in the Spirit, that we won't be tempted or that we won't have a life with any difficulties or problems. And you know and I know that that is not true. Jesus went into the wilderness in the Spirit's power, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that time was easy or that he wasn't tempted. We know that the devil tempted Jesus with his human weakness. Jesus was hungry after fasting for 40 days and nights, and the devil tempted Jesus to turn some rocks into bread and to satisfy his hunger. But in the power of the Spirit, Jesus used Scripture to refute the devil's temptation, quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Next, the devil tempted Jesus by showing him all the kingdoms of the world and offering them to Jesus as if they didn't already belong to Jesus, right? He offered them if only Jesus would bow down and worship the devil. And again, Jesus refuted the devil by quoting the scripture from Deuteronomy 6.13, which tells us to worship the Lord God only and to serve only God. Finally, the devil tested Jesus 
telling him to jump from the highest pinnacle in the temple. And this time the devil himself quoted from Scripture using Psalm 91, which says God's angels would guard Jesus, that they would not let his foot be struck upon a rock. But Jesus refuted the devil this one last time, quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, which tells us not to put the Lord our God to the test. The devil tried three times to distract Jesus from his mission and his ministry to the world. But Jesus received power from the Holy Spirit, and he could not be distracted from his purpose in the world. Jesus defeated the devil in this instance, but it didn't mean that the devil was done with him. For Scripture says that the devil left Jesus and waited for an opportune time. My friend, the devil looks for opportune times to distract and defeat us too. And so we have to constantly be on guard against the devil's attacks against us. Think about and look at where you are most open to the devil's attacks now. How are you preparing against the devil's attacks? My friend, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be a part of our arsenal. So let's take a listen from Scripture and see how Jesus begins his ministry on earth right after his temptation and preparation of 40 days in the wilderness. I'm reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the, spirit, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovering of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus went to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth on the Sabbath because that's what he always did. The Ten Commandments tell us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, and Jesus was doing exactly that. He was invited to read the scripture for the day, and the scroll from Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Now, Isaiah had originally written these verses many, many years before Jesus to give hope to the Israelites who were living in captivity in the country of Babylon during their exile from Israel. But Isaiah also wrote these words prophetically about the coming Messiah who would one day really set every single captive free. Jesus proclaims for everyone to hear in his hometown synagogue that day that he is the one who has been anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring God's good news to the poor, freedom to prisoners, sight for the blind, release for oppressed people, 
and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. He brought good news to poor people, preaching wherever he went. He ministered among the poor. He lifted them up as examples to follow in some cases, like the poor widow who put her small amount into the collection plate and was lifted up as an example of generous giving to the Lord by Jesus. Jesus not only gave sight to blind people, he also healed lepers and the lame. He released people who had been oppressed by demons. He set people free who had been weighed down for many, many years by a myriad of causes. Jesus fulfilled the prophetic words from Isaiah, and he defined his ministry by them. And then he invited his disciples to do the very same thing. He sent them out to preach and teach and heal and follow his example. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he prepared the disciples to take the gospel forward into the whole world after he ascended to heaven. They were going to need the same Holy Spirit power that Jesus relied on if they were going to, be success if they were going to successfully carry out their mission given to them by the Lord. Let's hear how Luke describes what happened next from his account in the book of Acts. I'm going to be reading from chapter 1, starting with verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the disciples, along with Jews from all over the world, were gathering in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost. And Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the festival and then they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He tells them that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now this word power in New Testament Greek is the same word from which we get our English word for dynamite. I mean, this is not just some little spark we're talking about or a little tiny flame like on a candle taper. No way. This is explosive power that's going to explode with an explosion so big it's going to enable the disciples to carry out their mission to be Jesus' witnesses throughout the entire world. And what happens? Exactly what Jesus said would happen. The disciples receive this power. They're all together on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly the sound of a loud, rushing wind filled the place where they were worshiping. And tongues of fire also danced around everyone's head that was gathered there. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on everyone. And no sooner had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit been experienced by everyone than Peter began to proclaim the gospel. He is witnessing, just like Jesus said. You see, Holy Spirit power leads to proclamation. Remember, this is the same Peter who 50 days earlier kept his lips shut. He denied that he even knew Jesus. Back then, he was afraid to say anything, and now that he has Holy Spirit power, he can't stop talking about Jesus. Peter preaches a great sermon that day. He presents the gospel to everyone clearly. He proclaims Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah that Israel has been longing for. And then he offers the invitation for everyone listening to repent, to be baptized, to receive forgiveness for their sins. And 3,000 people became believers in Jesus Christ on that day, we're told. Well, not only does the power of the Holy Spirit cause the disciples to witness and to proclaim, the Holy Spirit also gives them the power to act in Jesus' name. For you see, soon after Pentecost, one day Peter and John are on their way to the temple for the prayer service. And on the way in, they see the man who has been crippled from birth, who is always sitting outside the temple, asking for alms as worshipers go in. He asked Peter and John for some money, and Peter tells him he doesn't have any money to give to him, but he tells him he has something way better than that. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And they helped the man to his feet, and his ankles had become strong, and he began to jump, on, and jump about and to walk. These are only two examples of how the power of the Holy Spirit enabled the first disciples to witness and proclaim about Jesus, while at the same time enabling them to act in powerful ways, doing miraculous deeds of healing. The book of Acts is filled with many such examples. But the Holy Spirit was not just for those early disciples in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit, as we've been learning, has been poured out and poured into and is available to every single believer from that time until now, today. We've been given the same task by Jesus as those first disciples were given, to go out into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, God intends to spread the gospel of Jesus to everyone in the whole world, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, and his game plan is to do it through you and through me. You've heard it said that the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. It's you, it's me, it's the church. Every believer has been given power by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ, and the purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit is not for ourselves, but so that we can join in the mission of telling the story of what God has done in Jesus Christ and rescue others from a world that is perishing without him. Christian evangelist and revivalist Vance Havner, who lived in the last century, once said, We are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor by conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. 
You see, when we become believers and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, we are given spiritual gifts so that we can use them in the body of Christ in the church. Now, there are several places in Scripture where the spiritual gifts are talked about. Romans 12, for one. Ephesians 4, for another. 1 Peter 4, to name just a few. They are also mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we read as a part of our Bible reading plan this past week. Paul said he wrote about the spiritual gifts so that we would be informed. He wants us to know. So listen to what he says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You see, the, holy, the spiritual gifts that we are given are special abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit. And they are not for our own benefit, but rather they are for the benefit of other people. They are always to be used to minister to other people's needs and to build up and strengthen the body of believers. Paul lifts several of the spiritual gifts in this passage and this is not an exhaustive list in 1 Corinthians. Other gifts are listed in the other passages that I mentioned earlier. But here, Paul mentions words of wisdom. This is a gift where Christians have the God-given ability to understand and apply biblical and spiritual knowledge to complex or difficult problems and situations. He also mentions faith. Now, all Christians have faith, but the spiritual gift of faith is the divine ability to recognize what God wants done and then to act upon it, even when other people might fall back in doubt. People with the spiritual gift of faith know that even in the face of barriers or difficulties, when other people might start doubting, that God is absolutely going to accomplish God's purposes. Paul also mentions the gift of healing or the divine ability to bring wholeness, whether it be physical or spiritual or emotional to other people. People with this gift learn to listen skillfully and they seek God's guidance to help determine the cause of another person's illness. They believe that God can cure and that prayer can overcome any negative forces at work. And so they use the tools in their tool belt the tools of prayer, of touch, of spoken words. This gift of healing is always used to show forth God's power and it's always used to bring glory to God and to point people to Jesus. The gift of miracles is the divine ability to perform miracles that show the truth of the gospel. 
And the purpose of this gift is to get people's attention so that we can point them to the mighty power of God. Miracles lead people to listen and to follow and to believe the message about Christ that is being witnessed to them. People with the gift of prophecy proclaim God's truths. They speak for God. They warn people of the consequences of ignoring God's truths. They may see sin or deception that other people overlook. Prophets also speak to people in order to bring edification, encouragement, and consolation. People with the gift of distinguishing between spirits have the divine ability to recognize what is of God and what is not of God. They distinguish between good and evil, truth and error, pure motives and impure motives. They may sense the presence of evil or questionable motives or intentions. And care has to be taken to use this gift in a way that brings good to the body of Christ, judging with mercy and not with condemnation. The gift of tongues is the divine ability to speak a message from God in a language that you have not naturally learned. You may speak in a language that you don't know, but that the listener does know. You may speak in a language neither you know nor the listener knows, in which case you'll need someone with the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Both of these gifts are meant to be a sign to unbelievers of the power and the glory of God. There's a third kind of speaking in tongues in which you may speak in a private prayer language which is a gift meant for private edification in one's own private prayer time with God. All of these gifts are given by God through the same Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, we are given opportunities that are set before us by God to manifest and use these gifts to further God's kingdom in the world. Because of the power of the Spirit living inside each of us, we have power over sin, power over sickness, and power over all the power of the devil. We have this because of the truth of Scripture, which tells us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. Think about this for a minute. The purpose for which God saved you is so that you can be a savior for others. Remember we learned in the beginning of Acts that receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is to make us witnesses for Jesus. We saw how this was true of the first believers in Christ. Throughout the book of Acts, we see them exercising the power of the Spirit that they received at Pentecost through preaching and teaching and serving and healing. Holy Spirit power fell upon them, it filled them up, and it set the world on fire. Souls were saved, many signs and wonders were done through these followers. They all operated out of the spiritual gifts which they used for the sole purpose of glorifying God and building up the church of Jesus Christ. As we come to the end of today's word, I pray that each of us will walk more and more in step with the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. After all, our Heavenly Father has promised to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks Him. So ask Him. 
you want to walk even more closely with God than maybe you feel like you already are, ask him to reveal anything that might be out of alignment in your life that might be prohibiting or inhibiting him from working in and through you even more. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to repent, to be forgiven, and to be brought back into alignment with God. Ask God to use you to make his kingdom come and his will be done through you. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul prayed that they would know Christ better. He prayed that they might come to know the hope to which they had been called. Not a vague hope for a positive, distant future, but a complete and utter assurance of certain victory through God. This hope is certain because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, confirming with our spirits that we are indeed children of God. May Paul's prayer for the Ephesians be his prayer for us too. He prays, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Pour out once again anew and afresh your power within each one of your beloved followers gathered here today. Lord, equip us to be your um, followers in the world. Send us forth to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, speaking both in words and also acting with our deeds, empowered and using the gifts of the Spirit that you've given us, Lord, to build up the body of Christ and to point people to God. Lord, form us more and more into your holy, obedient people. Use the gifts which you have given us. Equip us, God, that we might continue to set the world on fire to the end that your kingdom comes and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.